listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Podcasting since 2010. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? So when you want to call, you dial that number. Call! It's the Jeep Talk Show Call-In Show with Tammy and Tony. They're going to be talking Jeeps with you. There's no show without you, so call in now. Just make the call. Good call! That's who I'm calling now. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 44 of the Jeep Talk Call-In Show. It's a live call-in show. And we love hearing from our listeners, but unfortunately tonight we're just going to have to... um, deal with not getting any calls from you because we're having some technical difficulties with Skype. But I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama from JeepMama.com here on the East Coast and joining me every Tuesday night from the Jeep Talk Show headquarters is Tony. Hey, Tony. Howdy, howdy. Yeah, we're getting another late start tonight. I know you people that only listen to the recording or watch the recording on YouTube are uh, you know, sick and tired of hearing about late starts because what do you care? It's on demand, right? <laughs> right, there you go. Of course, that's the great thing about being on demand. And uh, we have a great little app that you guys can get our show anytime you like it. Just go over to uh, Google Play or the Apple Store and search and download the Jeep Talk Show app. And, uh, oh, don't forget to go in there to settings and download the most uh, three recent episodes. And you'll always have the Jeep Talk Show right there with you, no matter uh, whether you have sales ser- cell service or not. Because, you know, sometimes we get out on those trails and there's no cell service, Tammy. Yeah, I know. So it, that's awesome where you have your Jeep Talk Show um, <laughs> already there downloaded so you have something to listen to it, when it, you don't have cell service. It still seems strange to me, but people that, that matters to some people to have the Jeep Talk Show ready to listen just in case. <laughs> it's just amazing. We're, we're so honored that you guys even uh, listen to the show, much less download an app and carry the show around with you. But anyway, I digress. Well, Let's get over to our, our guest, Tammy. Who, who do we have tonight? Well, we were supposed to have Charlene Bauer with um, Ladies Off-Road Network, and she kind of double-booked herself, and she, in a matter of minutes, found us a new guest, <laughs> and we have Greg, and um sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, I should have asked you earlier, Mulkey with Raceline Wheels. Hey, Greg, are you there? You betcha. Appreciate you guys, man. Enjoy being in the show. So, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself, and do you drive a Jeep? Well, uh, I'm Greg Mulkey, and Raceline Wheels It's a company that's been around 20 years. Uh, I've been developing off-road and performance wheels for about 40 years now, so there's my age. Um, <laughs> so you're 40. You know, Raceline Wheels is kind of a, we <laughs> manufacturers and we sell to uh, distributors all across the world. Um, we manufacture truck and SUV wheels. We manufacture UTV wheels, trailer wheels and tires. And then, of course, we have the racing division, which I direct. And that brings in all the B-locks and all the off-road wheels and then brings in a 1,000 questions when you start wanting to put wheels on Jeep. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. And I, you I know can... all the answers to all those questions, I'm sure. Well, you know, I'll take an educated, experienced guest, and if I don't know, I'll figure it out and get back to you. How about that? that that's the answer right there. I'll figure it out <laughs> and get back to you. You betcha. So, you know, what do you guys want to talk about with, with wheels tonight? 
most commonly asked questions about beadlocks and wheels and tires for Jeeps. Oh, you have to have beadlocks on your wheels because they, I mean, yeah, you have to have the beadlock wheels because they just look so cool. Nobody right. thinks about well, what they actually do. And to be honest you know, that's, with you. That's, that's the conception that most people have thinking about the beadlocks. Uh-huh. But, you know, the average guy really doesn't need the maintenance and workage of the wheel. He just needs a good heavy-duty wheel. But a lot of us that get into it, we end up with beadlocks before it's all over with because we uh, it never seems to fail that once you get up that big rock, there's just another one bigger ahead of it. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's all the fun about jeeping. So, so you know, you uh, you get off like in the most ominous question that I get asked at all the trade shows that you know Raceline does across the country is uh, is a beadlock legal for the street? Have you guys ever had that question? Oh, absolutely. That was going to be my next question. If you had any that was street legal, <laughs> well, that's probably one of the most asked questions. And so, really, there's no law in the books that says that a beadlock is illegal. No such thing in print. But what huh. the law states is that any wheel operating on a publicly funded road must conform to rim shell shape configuration from DOT. Right. And granted, the law that was established in the 30s, but that is the difference. And so the beadlock where we actually clamp the tire to the wheel to be safer off-road that is the area for which they didn't like us changing or where the original wheels that are on our everyday cars meet those DOT requirements. So that's what so it is. There's no law that says they're illegal but, or that they're unsafe or anything like that. It's just a technicality, and the DOT does not change their rules very often. Doesn't sound like it. So no. let me ask you this. So, like, a lot of people that I know use their Jeeps as daily drivers, and then they just go out on the weekends, out on the trails. Is there a disadvantage to the daily driving part when you have beadlocks? Well, it, it's like any performance part that you put on your car or your Jeep in this deal is that it, it requires a certain amount of maintenance. And most people, most People who run on the trail really don't need a beadlock. It's only when you start getting in these vertical inclines or, uh, you know, sideways on the hills a lot. You know, if you're on one, twos, and three trails, most of the time, if you just pay attention to the tire and wheel combo that you put on your vehicle, mm-hmm. most of that stuff can be handled without a beadlock, and therefore there's no maintenance. And they make a ton of wheels that look like beadlocks. So if you've got to have that look, Raceline, we make seven or eight different versions of a simulated heavy-duty wheel that most people can use off-road trail riding and not have to go to the extreme uh, beadlocks. And then, you know, beadlocks aren't really necessary until you get, let's say, 35 inches and taller also. Right. That's what my next question was going to be. And does it it matter about the uh, diameter of the wheel, uh, Greg? Uh, Do you, is it for, like, if the the wheel versus tire is... uh, really a lot different, like 35 on a 15 or? Yeah, years of experience has told me that the line is about a 35-inch tall that you can still run on a 15-inch wheel and and do just fine. But once you get over a 35-inch tall tire on a 15-inch wheel, you end up having a lot of sidewall. And at low air pressures, at inclines that you're sideways, you tend to run on the sidewalls and you cut the sidewalls out of the tires. Right. Uh, so unless you're running like an interco that is 
50 plies thick that you couldn't even shoot a bullet through, you kind of want to keep your tire and wheel assembly so that off the trail and trying to maintain the tire tread contact on the ground, the rule of thumb is the 35 on a 15-inch wheel and then 17 on up. You know, the 20s haven't really got here, but they're coming. You know, BFT's releasing a 42. And, of course, Interco and, and Mickey and all those guys, they've had 54-inch tall tires. So 20 inches coming. You know, 15-inch you hardly see on a car anymore from the factory. Right. So, you know, 17-inch and 18-inch. Uh, what happens there is the tire availability. And that's something you got to kind of pay attention to. In 17-inch, there's a lot of tire availability now wasn't so four or five years ago. So, and with the new Jeeps, a 35, a 37 is easily obtained with minimal modifications to your Jeeps nowadays. I mean, the factory, last five years or eight years, they really got their act together on what these Jeeps are capable of doing right off the showroom floor, put a set of 35-inch tall tires on there. And most guys, most women also, will get all they can handle in a day's time. <laughs> right. Yeah, Tammy knows that firsthand. Yes, yeah, I do. Revenge. How'd you like that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, Charlene got you through there with frying colors. So. Oh, you know, it's a good God, thing to have a black Jeep me. because they just, they just perform better than, say, a red Jeep. The red Jeeps, uh, I don't know. It's just too much flash for me. What do you think, Tammy? I, I Jeeps agree with are so <laughs> depressing. <laughs> I agree I with you 100%. See, Tony, even the professionals, professionals agree with me. Ooh, red Jeeps are sexy. Now, Tammy, I don't, I don't have the picture. I don't have the yeah. picture yet, but I'll have it for Thursday's show. I was actually That's behind funny. a, uh, a, uh, uh, taxi today and it said, uh, like something on the back about uh, your uh, your vehicle is sexy. I can't believe it. it I actually have a picture of this on the, yeah, the plaque yeah. on the back about saying your Jeep, uh, not Jeep, but your vehicle is sexy. Didn't say red, but it was understood. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we kind of got to you a little bit on that one, Tony. So. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, you, know, you know, wheeling, I have such a great time. You know, like I said, I've been in the industry 40 years, and – out and wheeling and stuff, it's a lot different than the dirty dirt tracks I used to be on and drag racing and all the stuff that we went through through our careers. But settling in the last 17 years into the off-road industry and the four-wheel drive nation, is uh, it's been a really great ride. And we've developed some awesome wheels for the guys. And they're just the information that's out there now and, and the parts that you can buy with a gold card is amazing what you can do with the things nowadays. And <laughs> yeah. I know in the pre-show we were talking a little bit about Florida yeah. and there ain't no mountains down there, but there is a ton of Jeeps. Oh so, yeah. You know, it's a big, big industry and I love being a part of it and, uh, look to go wheeling as much as we can looking through the, the Rubicon trail. This, uh, this end of this July is the 65th year. Wow. Of the Jeepers Jamboree. That's so, amazing. You can't bought your tickets, man. It's too bad you're too late. They're sold out. But Jeepers Jamboree runs every year. Yeah, I'm so envious of you. You're up in that area. It's awesome. So, Greg, let me circle it's you awesome. back. The history, everything. One of these days, I'll trail. get out there. Greg, let me circle you back to something you said about the 20 inch no, wheels. Um, the 
Uh, I don't know that much about wheels. I certainly don't know as much about them as you do. But it seems to me that whenever the wheel gets too big, you're kind of losing the action of the of the tire about what the tire is supposed to do, yeah, especially when you air down. Are you concerned at all about uh, the, the having the twenty inch wheels and actually having the the tire wheel com- combination perform well, the mean, way people want them to? If if you look at it, you know, I, I, no way would I put a thirty five inch tall tire on a twenty inch wheel and go wheeling. Right. But a 42-inch tall tire on a 20-inch wheel, now you're back to that, let's say, nice marshmallowy part where you can get hooked up and not mess your wheels and your rig up uh, because you have a sidewall. A 42-inch on a 20-inch wheel is not a whole lot different than a 37 on a 17-inch wheel. Gotcha. So it's really so, all about the ratio between... I, that's why I say it. The 35-inch rule... That 35-inch rule on a 15-inch, and once you're over that, it's kind of the sky's limit because uh, 10 years ago, we'd all swore we'd never see a 17-inch wheel with a 37-inch tall tire on it. I mean, I can remember being in the deer woods with 33s and and thinking we were up, down. (laughs) Yeah. Now we're talking 42-inch BF Goodrich that's released this year. Yeah, it's uh, that's a bit you know, uh, pricey. The only bad about the big tires and the big wheels. Uh, the only big thing, the only thing that I see a problem with the bigger tires and the wheels. It's nice to have the ground clearance, but it's really hard on the trails. Right. Uh, big tires oh, yeah. make big holes. Yeah, I and was little guys with little tires. It's just so you know you're going to see a lot of that stuff come around where certain trails are going to be rated and kind of mandated tire-wise to keep it so that the weekend guys that just want to go out and kind of wheel and have a good time don't have to do stuff that, one, makes their hair stand up on end, and, two, their buddies have got to pull them back to town so they can <laughs> buy parts and fix it. Right. So uh, on the beadlocks. So, right. Know. The- you know, back to when we were talking about the size of tires and wheels. Right. One of the things that I tell a lot of my seminars is that, if you want to make a decision about whether to have a beadlock or not have a beadlock, and I always make the comment that most people don't need beadlocks, and, and I go through the rule like when you get your tire, or let's say you're at the tire shop and you're shopping, get that tire down on the ground where it rolls across the ground and stick your tape measure from bead to bead and see how wide that tire is. And that's the natural set of that tire. You can check that same brand many, many times. It won't vary very much. And so when I want to buy a wheel, and let's say I don't want to run beadlocks because I don't want the, all the stuff. I'm not doing crazy things. I want to drive every day, and I uh, just don't want the maintenance. So if the tire be measures 7 inches, let's say, and you stuck that on a 10-inch wheel and you lowered the air pressure, what would the tire want to do? It would want to try to return to the natural set. So if you put it on too wide a wheel, it pulls the tire off the outside lip, which is the narrow lip that we try to beadlock, and you have a flat tire. So what I tell people that don't want to go through all the beadlock and everything and would like to have the beadlock look is buy the simulated lock, buy it in a narrower wheel, and keep it the wheel width really close to the natural set of that tire so that when you're out off-roading and you lower your air pressures, which most of the time you don't have to lower your air pressures between any lower than 16. 
you know, that's a fallacy that everybody thinks that the lower yeah, I was the just air pressure, ask the you. more traction you get. Well, that only works if you got horsepower and you're on the throttle. So you can send the center of the tire out to the outer edges. When you're wheeling at slow speeds and you run too low of air pressure, whatever it is you're running over closes the tire tread all the way up to where you have no biting edges left open and you're riding on the outside edge and you can never figure out why the Jeep is all over the place and I can't crawl over it. It's just too low of air pressure. So general rule, 16 pounds is the minimum for up to a three trail. Now you start getting into the four, six, and eights, then depending on the modifications on your vehicle. And by that time, you should have a pretty good feel. Don't you there, Tammy, after Hell's Revenge? Did you develop some feel oh, on that yes. road? Yes, definitely. <laughs> she, she, uh, Did I develop have, what? She had to have the cushion uh, yeah. surgically removed from her, uh, her backside after that, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and my hands, That's my hands job. were if stuck in that Moab, steering wheel sure grip. Go out and run Hell's Revenge because it's not real technically hard, but it's sure a lot of fun. Yeah, it's beautiful I hear out there. So, uh, especially yeah. after All hearing. All right, so uh, I've, I've just yeah. you guys zero off to you guys have a question. Maybe let me uh, have I kind of went over all the A's <laughs> and B's. Well, I yeah, I was going to ask you about um, the airing down. Um, but you covered that because I generally, right. when I go out to Rush Creek, I air down to about 18. So you think I could get a, uh, down to 16 and I'd be right. okay? There again, it depends on your tire and wheel combination. If your tire is on a wheel that is pretty close to the natural set, absolutely. A, a lot of guys that just right. don't want to run, they run a 7-inch wheel on a really wide tire. They never knock them off because... The tire is always trying to pull outward because they got it on a narrower wheel. And in off-roading, a narrower wheel is by far better than a wider wheel. Because back to the example that I gave you a second ago about too low of air pressure. If you run too wide of a wheel, even if it's beadlocked so it's secure, if you run too low of air, the tire wads up up against the wheel, and the open tread does not have any way of biting and edging. That's why I like to see off-road tires with a slight crown in the tire, in the center of the tire. Always want a little bit of a crown there because that means that nope. the crown will help support the tread at lower air pressures. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I did not. I've, I've, what else you I've, got for me? I've heard about the, yeah. the wide wheels thing and how it's more easier to break a bead, but nobody has been able to explain to right. me what why that actually occurs. Now, I, all the bead locks you have only lock yeah. one side of the uh, of the tire to the wheel, and that would be the the outside of it. Is that correct? Well, no, no, sir. No, that's mostly generalized because of brake clearance. Because if the ID of the bead lock is small enough that it won't fit over most brake systems, uh-huh. okay. But we do build double bead lock wheels. There are oh. applications where that is something they need and. Something that Raceline and I have just now introduced into the market is a one-piece beadlock wheel that is a double beadlock. It's in the UTV version right now, but the cool thing about it is you can unbolt the center, turn the wheel around, bolt the center back in, and you can change your backspace. So within minutes, you could have a 3-inch backspace or a 5-inch backspace or a 6-inch backspace. So if you had 
this set of That's wheels, you go out to the sand, you widen the car out, play in the sand, go back into the woods and the rocks and narrow it back up. Oh, that's a very interesting concept. Now, is there, can have huh. show centers. They can have racing centers. Right. Is there any plan so to bring are, that to the... some of the new products. I'm kind of letting the hat... I'm sorry. That, I'm, I'm sorry. We're kind of fighting here over the microphone. I was just going to ask you, is that something that we, we may see yeah. on the, the full-size vehicles, the trucks, the Jeeps, uh, that so on and so forth? The 17-inch and the 20-inch, we are... The, the UTV, we built in a cast version. Uh, basically because of the economics. Okay, and so, but in the 17-inch and the 20-inch, uh, we are building a new system to build a forged rim shell that the beadlocks are all part of the forging. In other words, there's no more welding the ring, inner rings onto the wheels anymore. Wow. It's all part of the forging. This will be something that nobody's seen before. Amazing. That's so very interesting. That'll all be released at SEMA this year. Yep. At SEMA this year, that'll cool. all be released. So, so, now the forging is like pouring it into a mold. Am I correct? No, that's in, 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 let's just, we'll talk about aluminum wheels for a second. So you have a cast wheel and you have a okay. forged billet wheel. Right. Uh, some people would like to think that they took a big piece of aluminum and machine one wheel out of that big piece of aluminum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not really how it goes. Uh, most forgings are formed from an ingot that is, let's say, eight inches around, ten inches tall, goes into a big rotary forging machine that is three stories tall, opposite spinning dies Holy cats. to heat the aluminum up, and then it is all of a sudden, in a second, is punched down into a die and made into a disc. And then that disc is either made into a center or it's made into a center with rim lips on it. And it's made into a one-piece forging. Whereas casting, casting is basically huh. mixing up the aluminum material, which in casting is 356A material. In forging, it's 6061. Castings are... The old processes, it was all heated up, and it just fell down into a die. It was called gravity-fed. You could break that piece of aluminum apart and look at the granule structure of the aluminum, and it would look like 80-grit sandpaper, really gritty and porous. Therefore, mm -hmm. the strength value is not there. Right. Whereas with forgings, you break it apart. It's like looking at 280-grit sandpaper. You see no porosity. So the modulus of the material is so much tighter that it's stronger. Now enter into the new age of casting and these low pressure where they are actually sucking the material from underneath the die or the matrix as they call it up into the material and it sucks so, it pulls so much vacuum on it that instead of 80 grit sandpaper like we had 10 years ago, and not quite getting to the 240 grit sandpaper of a forging, but we're getting to 180 or 200 grit. So the, the castings have come so far in 10 years that quite honestly, in a crushing test, the cast wheel takes more pressure to cast it, more pressure to crush it than the forging. The difference line, forging is a lot more expensive a little bit lighter, 
and it just bends and bends and bends. And in most cases, it bends down until it takes the caliper off of the rotor, and you lose the brakes. Wow. Cast wheels tend to break fall off in pieces. Right. Well, and that's interesting, too, because so, I know a lot of people say that steel wheels. Aluminum wheels. I know a lot of people say the steel wheels are, are preferable. What's that, Tony? I was just saying that a lot of people well, say that the, back. the steel wheels hammer. are preferable because they can, like you just said, they can bend them back. But what you're saying is because the technology is improving, the uh, aluminum or um, alloy, alloy wheels are getting more of that strength yeah. and the ability to bend uh, under under stress. Well, they've always bent the alloys. It's the castings that were always the problem of breaking too easily. But with the new vacuum forming low pressures, the strength is back up to pretty close to the forging aspects. So, and you're talking about a third of the money invested. Wow. So unless you're just an all-out, you know, Baja 1000, 100-mile-an-hour <laughs> get-it car, the forgings are just absolutely right. necessary. Right. So uh, you've mentioned this several times. More options too. You've mentioned this several times while we've been talking to you tonight, having to do about all the maintenance that you have to do with uh, the bead locks. What kind of maintenance are you talking about? I mean, just right off the top of my head, I'm thinking that you know you have to uh, tighten up all those thirty uh, some odd bolts that that hold the ring on. But uh, is Correct. is there more to it than that? Right. Well, yes and no. <laughs> For the ones who, uh, before I get off on that, I want to finish one comment about the steel wheel deal. Sure. Steel wheels are excellent, except for a couple of things. One, the rim shell, when it's made, has a plus or minus on its accuracy. The center has a plus and minus on its accuracy. And then the beadlock being installed has a plus or minus on its accuracy. So to take all those plus or minuses, if they happen to line up the wrong way, then the wheel is not perfectly straight, and therefore they're hard to balance. Cast wheels are made in the matrix and are easily to balance. Steel wheels bend. Huh. Once you bend it and you beat it back, from then on it's going to be weak in that area. Right. And you'll just keep bending it in that area easier and easier oh. and easier, and one day you'll just get tired of beating it back with a hammer. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so most people start out, so, so back to the deal about the maintenance. So let's take a vehicle that does sees nothing but the trail and has hardly ever has more than 15, 16 pounds of air pressure in it. Really not a lot of air pressure to compress or do anything, just get a little traction off-road. But we don't want to get up on the highway and drive down the freeway with 16 pounds of air pressure. So now here comes in the tricky part with beadlocks and driving on the highways. Most Jeeps that you buy have an air sensor gauge that goes <laughs> off if you drop below 35 PSI. Yeah. Oh, it's beadlocks so annoying. For those so kind of annoying. They're designed for low air pressures. Right. So now, so now, let's say we're cruising down the freeway and we're doing... 75 miles an hour, and we hit some road construction, and we got 35 pounds of air pressure. Now you hit some, that chug hole or whatever it is, the initial contact could spike the air pressure way over 100 PSI, therefore exceeding the strength of huh. the bolts. 
Oh. Now, I have not seen catastrophic failures where it just broke all the bolts and the thing come apart. But what will happen is you'll break a bolt, and then you'll break the bolt beside it, and then you'll break about the third bolt, and then it starts leaking air. So huh. that's where you get into the highway and where everybody kind of goes about, well, I'm breaking bolts. Um, and, and you also get into the fact that when you start raising that air pressure up there, if the inner ring and the outer ring do not clamp together, then they are moving and are susceptible to shearing. So depending on the thickness of the bead of the tire, <laughs> which, by the way, DOT does not require a plus or minus on the thickness of beads of tires. Hmm. So an interco is three-quarters of an inch thick. A BF Goodrich is a half-inch thick. So you have to make up that gap area in between because if you air the air pressure up over 25 PSI and you have that big gap between the outer ring and the inner ring and you hit something at 30 PSI down the highway, it's going to break a bolt. Interesting. Because there's no support to the inner ring. So that's why Raceline, years ago, we developed spacers so that you can space that ring so that it correctly tightens down on the tire and has support. And that is something you have to do with you riding them up and down the highway. So that's a lot of information about maintenance that you wouldn't really think of. No, not at all. But there it is. That's great. I love right. that information. So basic rule of beadlocks. A basic rule of beadlocks. 25 PSI and the vehicle under 6,000 pounds. You don't have problems. You change either one of those aspects. Now, now you're getting up on the lines of either breaking bolts or, you know, that's, that's kind of where it's at. So 25 PSI and 6,000 pounds, and beadlocks will run forever. Well, we got to have a little more air. God, than I wonder how much my road. Rubicon you know, weighs. Goodrich says, yeah, go to the trail, lower your pressures, your air pressures to 16 pounds. But before you get back on the highway to drive back to town, they need to be at a minimum of at least 26. Otherwise, you wear irregularly. Right. Oh. Very, so, right. very A lot of guys will just, you know, get off the trail and drive to town, not realizing that every time you turn that wheel left or right, you're going to cup the tread out on the front tires. That's why BFG and that's why all the tire manufacturers put recommended tire pressure on the sides of the tires for highways. Gotcha. <laughs> Oh, uh, we did have a, a question from... Uh, Gosh, I don't know. I've got a lot of information for you guys tonight. Oh, it's wonderful. You can digest all that. No, it's wonderful. We did, have a, years. We did have a question yeah. from uh, Gina. Yeah. She was wanting to know, uh, are any of these beadlocks DOT approved? I think you kind of answered this, but uh, this kind of directly. Is it? Do you have any that are DOT no, there's, approved? There's some, there's some area there to work on. Yeah. So uh, because of the description that I gave you that beadlocks are not illegal, but that they have to conform to DOT rim shell shape configuration, which they do not. Now, what, what beadlock is legal? Well, uh, a Hutchinson <laughs> beadlock, like they use in the military, uh-huh. which is an internal beadlock wheel, because they do not modify the rim lips. They merely make a two-piece wheel with a sleeve in the middle, and you put the tire, you put the sleeve in the tire, and then you've sandwiched the two wheels together and bolt them together. Has an O-ring. Sleeve inside pushes on the inside of the beads of the tire, pushing them against the outside of the wheel. 
and that double B lock, and that is a DOT-approved system. Uh, the problem is they're very, very expensive, and an average person probably wouldn't like to mess with them. <laughs> Discount I mean, tire the way we have our B-lock system right. set up, you can take work. that wheel out of the box, flop your tire down on it, line the bolts up, go through your torquing sequence, put an air gauge on it, air it up, pop the back bead out, stick it on the car, and go wheeling. It's not so on, a, you know, on the internal B-locks. Right. Although there are other alternatives on the market. If uh, they want to check them out, they can go to Coyote Enterprises. And that is a manageable double beadlock system that is DOT approved. Interesting. All right, Greg. Well, we've hit the so, uh, the magic thirty minute so, mark, and I know, just, uh, before I get off this air, I want to be sure and say, you know, they can check out, and they can always go to info at raceline. That's what I was just going to ask. Uh, I monitor that all the time, and any questions uh, for you guys too. I mean, you have my numbers now, so I guess we're friends. <laughs> of course we are. Yeah, even, and how to even before so. Go ahead, new Tammy. friends. Hey, so are you guys on social uh, media then, Greg? Yeah, uh, underneath uh, Team Raceline and underneath Raceline Wheels, and then they also have Raceline Billet. If anybody's out there that likes the, uh, you know, they're starting to be a lot more Jeepster roasters around. Uh, a lot of guys are starting to retro the old Jeepsters, so. Uh, they can check out Raceline Billet. And like I say, Raceline Wheels, Team Raceline. Um, and what was that first one you gave us, the info one? I think uh, you and Tammy were, were fighting for the microphone. Yeah, just info at Raceline Wheels. Okay. Uh-huh. Excellent. Well, Greg, so, thank you so uh, very much. And, you know, the, from time to time, you know, we, uh, you know, Raceline Wheels works with a lot of four-wheel drive clubs all across the country. Um, we work with the, uh, you know, all the veterans. We do a lot of events where we help sponsor wounded for warriors and warriors to heal. And so, you know, if you, if any of the wheelers are out there and they see Raceline, come on over and introduce yourself to us. <laughs> uh, we love to make the family bigger and bigger. That's a great attitude to have. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being with yeah, us tonight. So. And uh, we're going to uh, wrap up the show. And uh, like Tammy was telling you earlier, hang in there if you want to. We'll uh, be back to you here in just a couple of minutes. Wow, Tammy, you know what reminds me? Uh, talking to Greg is like talking to Steve, 4.3 uh, LXJ. A wealth, absolute wealth of information. Uh, and uh, he, he was concerned about going on Amazing. and on. Amazing. I just yeah. liked hearing all this stuff. He was answering a lot of questions right. that I've had for a very long time. Right. It was very good information, and it gives me a, a better picture yeah, of a better beadlocks, because I really didn't know truly, yeah, um, how they really worked. And, you know, I was getting ready to go buy some, and maybe I don't need to. Maybe I just need to buy the fancy lookalike ones and paint them purple. <laughs> All the things so, we want to do for, hey, for looks. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what he said in the pre-show too. Where jeepers are a, a unique bunch, that's for sure. Folks, thanks for joining us. This is the Jeep Talk Call-In Show. We're live here every Tuesday night at o'clock Central Time on YouTube.com/slash Jeep Talk Show. So if you can't join us or you miss part of the show, you still have an opportunity to listen to the whole show 
have an app just for that. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play and install the Jeep Talk Show app on your phone or tablet. And then don't go into settings and select the latest free episode. You know, always like- I'm sorry, guys. As you can tell, we're having some issues with our internet tonight. So I'm going to jump in here on uh, Tammy instead of uh, uh, having you listen to all that choppiness. She's just telling you about the uh, the app, the uh, Jeep Talk Show app. Just go over to uh, Apple Play or the Google, uh, actually, Apple Store or Google Play and uh, search for Jeep Talk Show. And you can download that app and listen to our uh, wonderful little show that we have here. And my gosh, we're getting all kinds of, of, of great guests. And this time, uh, thanks to Charlene, you know, Tammy, I was going to say that uh, Charlene's dead to me after, you know, canceling at the last minute, but she saved she saved herself. <laughs> <laughs> Great guest. Great guest. But Charlene's Char- going to come back. Charlene's amazing. She's yeah. amazing. She, she will be with yep, us. Hopefully we'll have her Tuesday night. Yep. This uh, upcoming Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday night. So anyway, you guys uh, check out the uh, July 4th show, and uh, hopefully if everything lines up this time, we'll have uh, Charlene. And again, thanks so much to to Greg and uh, Raceline Wheels. Boy, uh, I'm really interested in in their product now, just hearing about all the knowledge and information that Greg has in it. I mean, you can only just imagine the rest of the company. So anyway, you guys go check out RacelineWheels.com, and I think you'll see some great products uh, on that site. All right, you guys have a great night, and we will see you this coming Thursday for the Jeep Talk Show. Are you there?